Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We looked at uh, Titus last week and we talked about a call to arms. And today I want to talk to you about uh, the face of grace. The face of grace. Titus chapter 2. Let's join together in prayer. Dear Father God, we pray that you would Bless us, Lord, with uh, the ability to feel your presence, Lord, to heal your word, and Lord, to, to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Titus chapter 2. While you're finding your place, I, was, uh, I saw a story about a little boy that was with his grandmother, and they'd gone to the zoo and uh, to see all the animals and everything. One of the attractions there at the zoo was a place for little children to get their face painted. And the little boy, he wanted to get his face uh, painted with like a tiger paw or something like that on his face. And so he was waiting in line with his grandmother. And there were other people there in line with him. And there was a little girl. She's one of these little snotty little girls that was there. And she was standing. She turned around and she saw him. And she said, you've got freckles. And the little boy said, you know, you know he's, he's, it's, it, that was like saying there's clouds in the sky. You know, he knew that he had freckles. And, and he said, yeah. And, and she said, no, you've got a lot of freckles. He, she said, you got so many freckles, they don't have enough place on your face to paint the, uh, anything on there. And the, lawyer, and the little boy kind of got a little dejected, a little bit upset about it. And he was kind of, you know, he put his head down and he was frowning. And his grandmama saw this interaction between the two. And she uh, took him aside and she said, I think your freckles are beautiful. She said, when I was little, I always wanted to have freckles. And she said, your freckles are just so pretty. And she said, "Uh, can you think of anything prettier than freckles? And the little boy just looked at her and after a minute, you know, she was real close. And he put his face up, his hands up to her face and he said, wrinkles. (laughs) You know, uh, to that little boy. His grandmama's wrinkles was the prettiest thing he'd ever seen because he made her feel good. And, you know, we need to, to understand that we ought to feel good about us, not because of what we are or what we've got in, a, in and of ourselves, but what God has put in us. But by what God has done for us. Look with me in your Bibles at Titus chapter 2. Now remember in Titus 1 we talked about the, uh, the church there in Crete that Titus was 
trying to help establish with the help of Paul and Paul and, and Titus were working together to establish this church and they were having some difficulties, kind of like Timothy was having in Ephesus. And uh, it, it, we looked at the first couple of verses in Titus 1 and it talks about uh, all, the, all the characteristics of overseers, of teachers, of, of good godly men and women that need to be a part of the church. And we talked about how important it is for us to have those characteristics. <coughs> And he also details some of the reasons why they need to have um, uh, these kind of, of attributes. And it's, um, it's there in, in the last part of chapter 1 where he talks about how uh, the Christian people that were in that area were bringing about a... Uh, uh, an apostasy. Uh, uh, they were bringing false teachings about Christianity, and they were kind of pushing Judaism. And so, uh, Paul uh, writes Titus in chapter two, and he says, "But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine." The and and he says, "This is this is what you need to express to the people." And this and he uh, details some characteristics. He says that age men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. And the age women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teaching of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children to be discreet and chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, and in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptiveness, and gravity and sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants. And and, and listen, we don't uh, approve of slavery and we don't approve of those kind of things. And Paul here is not approving of, serve, uh, of sl- slavery, of servitude. But what he's doing is he's addressing the reality that there is slavery. And as a result, he says, those of you who are servants... Um, he says, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to be uh, to please them well in all things, not answering again, uh, not uh, prolonging, but showing all good fidelity that they may ador- adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. For our, And so these are attributes that Paul says ought to be in each person. Every person in here, every person that is a child of God needs to have these kind of attributes. And why does Paul say that we need to have those attributes? Because uh, it is the best way in which we can express the message of God. How can we express the love of God? How can we express God's grace and God's love, God's mercy, 
God's goodness to us if we're not good to each other. If we don't act and behave appropriately towards one another, how can we uh, exhort people to have a better uh, way of living uh, through Jesus Christ of accepting His love and His grace if we don't first exhibit some kind of attributes that would exhibit the fact that we have been changed by the, the hand of God, that our lives have been transformed. He says, look, uh, the Christian people, these people that are doing, uh, they're saying all these false teachings, they're liars, they're boasters, they're people that are doing things for their own good. You can see all the attributes of them in, in the, at the end of chapter 1 and you can say, boy, I wouldn't want to live anywhere near those people. Well, Paul says, look, if you don't want to be like that, this is the attribute you need to have. You need to be people that are of sober mind and they are diligent in the work that they do if you're a servant to others. If, you, uh, if you're a... <clears throat> Even in the position of being a slave to someone, you need to do your very best. Why? Because it dis demonstrates God's character in your life. It demonstrates why... Um, and these are reasons why we today need to act as if we have some common sense about us, as if we are, are people that, are, are, that have been... Look, we can't go out and act like the rest of the world and do the things of the world and expect people to see Jesus Christ living in us. Can we? No, we can't. We can't go out and carouse and we can't uh, go around and, and uh, make all kinds of overtures to all kinds of people and, and do all kinds of things that we know are wrong and expect, expect people to see the love of God, to see the character of God living in and through us. And so he says... These are, the, uh, these are the attributes that you ought to have. Now, why? Other than in order to demonstrate God's power and God's work in our life, why do we need to have these kind of, of attributes? Why is it that we need to live this certain way? We need to live uh, in such a way that we are uh, uh, grave and temperate and sound in faith and charity and patience. These are all contrary to uh, the attributes of, of the Christian people there and the attributes that are contrary to the, the uh, attitude and, and the actions of people in our society of, of the world today. But he says more than that, he says in verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us that, we might redeem, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise thee. Paul is telling Titus that he needs to have a different way of living. And for Titus, it was difficult, just like it was for Timothy, to live in a community, in a world in which uh, we think uh, today that there are vices and all kinds of things in the world that make it difficult not to sin. But in the world in which 
Paul lived in the world in which uh, was at that time where he's writing to Titus, there was all sorts of behaviors that we couldn't even possibly dream of today and think of it as normal. Uh, They had... uh, uh, the worship of many different gods that were right, right out in the open. They had temples to all these different gods, and and they had, uh, as a part of that, they had uh, adherents that followed after these gods that offered themselves up as as uh, temple prostitutes, uh, both men and women that people could go in and they'd pay those prostitutes to have relations with them, and that money would go into the uh, coffers of the of the church where they were worshiping these false gods, and, and these people saw it as a way of worshiping their false god by having relations with people. Uh, this is so uh, upside down for us in terms of understanding of what it means to be religious. But we live in a world today not where we have people doing that, but we have people that call themselves Christians that say, you know, uh, I can go out and as long as I have a good time and I don't hurt anybody else, I can do whatever I want to. Or I could do those things in the quiet and the privacy of my own home and it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't let other people know what I'm doing in my home. I can live any way I want to. I can listen to anything I want to listen to. I can watch anything I want to watch. Nobody else will be aware of it. And and it'll be all right. And and God is telling us through the hand of Paul as he's writing to to, uh, to Titus, he's saying, no, you can't. You can't live that way. Because it's... it's look... If I have a dog that I've had for a couple of years, every morning when I get up, that dog begins to wag her tail. And she gets all excited because she's seeing me for the first time that day. And she, she has this thing where she does an Elvis lip. And when she gets all excited and she comes over and wants me to just rub all over her head. And every once in a while at night, especially when she wants to be fed, she'll look at me and just bark, 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 bark. And she'll sit there and bark until I give her food and water or I take her outside or whatever. And sometimes I get a little upset at her for barking because I'm trying to have a conversation or trying to watch TV or something like that. But she's just being a dog, right? She shouldn't, I shouldn't get upset at her for barking because she's just being a dog. But what if I got up in the morning and I went out there and I saw my dog and instead of wagging her tail and coming over to me and letting me rub her head, uh, all of a sudden I saw her and she started meowing like a cat. I'd think something really wrong, wouldn't you? I would think, my goodness, what in the world's got up with you? You're meowing like a cat instead of barking like a dog. I think something is just strange going on here, and I think, you know, I need to take this dog to get looked at. I need somebody to see this other than me so I know I'm not hallucinating. And I would know that something was wrong. Now, if I got up in the morning and I got, uh, and uh, and I went into the room where the dog was, even if she wasn't meowing like a cat, if she just stayed where she was, didn't start wagging her tail and come over to me and want to be loved on, if she didn't want to be fed and she just sat there, we'd still say something's wrong. She's not acting normal. She's not acting right. 
It's the same way in our in our life. When we do the things that are not normal, not are now contrary to the way that in which look if we're if we say we're Christian, what kind of action should we have? My dog's a dog, so I expect my dog to bark. If I'm a Christian, how should I act? If I have Christ living in me, I should enjoy every morning spending time in God's Word. I should enjoy every morning praying to God, spending time alone with God. One of the things that I do in my life is I try and call my mom and talk with her on a regular basis. I try and do it on every day. And my mom says, you know, boy, you make me feel so good when I hear from you. Just a little thing like spending 10, 15 minutes on the phone with my mom. She says, it just brightens my day. It makes me feel so good. When we spend time with God, it makes us feel good. And God loves us when we spend time with Him. We're doing the things that that God expects us to do because we've been changed. We have Jesus Christ living in us. We ought to enjoy spending time with God. We ought to enjoy fellowshipping with God. As we learned in our Sunday school this morning when we studied Genesis chapter 1, God created all things and He created all things so that we would have fellowship with God. When we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, more than uh, being saved from our sins and going to heaven, it means a restoration of our relationship to God. It means that no longer is my sin keeping God away from me, but now through God's salvation and God's grace, He is allowing me to come back into His presence. He is allowing me to have fellowship with Him once again, setting back in order what was destroyed and disrupted by sin in the garden. Amen. And, and what God wants from us is not a dog that, that meows, God wants, doesn't want a, a Christian that acts like the rest of the world. God wants a Christian that acts like he has Christ in him. Because when we have Jesus Christ really in our hearts and lives, we ought to act like it says here, that we are people that are uh, temperate and sound in faith and charity and patience. We ought to have love for other people because of our relationship to God. We ought to have patience with others because we're caring and concerned. We ought to be people who are sound in our faith. This speaks specifically to the problems that, that Titus was having there in Crete. He says you need to have men and women who are sound in their faith. And that sound refers to being healthy in faith. You see those others that are not in Christ, they were showing a kind of faith that was unhealthy because it was had a distorted view of, of how they should act and live. And Paul says you need to have people that have a healthy faith that are demonstrating the characteristics of God, that are demonstrating God's love in their life, 
to, to have holiness, as he says about women. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. You know why he says, especially here for older women to be teachers of good things? Because it was the older women who were responsible for teaching uh, uh, things in the home. And as the men went out and worked in the fields, uh, and the young boys were, uh, and the young girls went, and they sat at the feet of the grandmothers and the mothers, and they were teaching them all the things they needed to know as they were learning the tasks of doing things around the home. They were learning about God and they were teaching them about God's love. And he says, You need to be. Uh, you older women need to be teachers of good things and you need to have uh, the ability to teach young women to be sober. You can't teach them to be sober and of sound mind if you don't have a sound mind within you as well. Uh, You need to teach them to love their husbands and love their children. You know, it's amazing that we have to teach something like to love your children and to love your husband. But isn't there people in the world that don't? Aren't there people in the world that, you know, um, you don't have to teach a child to to lie, do you? They learn it all by themselves. You have to teach them to tell the truth, don't you? You have to teach a little child to always tell the truth and to be uh, to be careful about the things they say. And this is the along the same lines. You need to teach these women uh, and teach these young uh, ladies to to love their husbands, love their children. And I think more than teaching them to love them, it's how to express that love, how to to demonstrate that love in their homes, to be discreet and chaste and keepers at home, good and obedient in their, uh, to their own husbands, that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. You see, there's a reason why Paul said this. Because throughout Scripture, God demonstrates the, the love that He has for us with the image of marriage. And that's why it's so important for us to get marriage right. And to have good godly homes because it is an image of the love of God. That's why uh, infidelity is so bad because it, it shows uh, a lack, of, it shows something contrary to the love of God. And God uses marriage and God uses the marriage relationship as a way of, of showing His love for mankind. And He says, uh, and look, in uh, the book of Revelation, we see where John uh, demonstrates that by saying that uh, Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And when He takes everybody into heaven, there's a great marriage feast. It's all about that image of being together forever. Well, if you have a home in which you're not together forever and you're not exhibiting the kind of love that is is proper in a a marriage relationship, then you're not demonstrating that kind of love that God is seeking to use as an illustration, a a word picture of, of how God loves us and never will leave us and never will separate us uh, from us. And so he says to, uh, to Titus, he says, you need to make sure that you are uh, teaching these things to the people that are part of your church to make sure that they show all patterns of good things in their life and the things that they do and the doctrine that they teach and so that it will uh, be shared from
from generation to generation and go contrary to the teachings that are there uh, that are being coming into the community. We need to also be people that will be willing to stand up and to to call out false teachings. He says that in uh, I think it's verse twelve. Uh, yeah, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world. Uh, we ought to uh, share the the message of God in such a way that people can see God's grace. He says the reason for all of this is the grace of God. It brings salvation, and it's there for all of us to have in our life. God's desire is, is that He uh, uh, needs wants to demonstrate His precious grace. God's grace so sufficient for us. God's grace is so wonderful. We need to to demonstrate what God's grace has done for us, who's given us hope, who uh, calls us to that time in which uh, Christ will return. We're looking for that blessed hope of the glorious appearing of uh, the great God and our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us. Look, for no other reason other than the fact that Jesus died for us on the cross, we ought to live the kind of lives that demonstrate the love that God has, has invested in us, that God has given to us. God has given us such a wonderful, marvelous gift. We ought to live like we have that gift in us. That's kind of like, uh, to live otherwise is kind of like having... Uh, you know these guys that has have these pimped out rides that have the the really maxed out cars. Uh, ever so often, there they'll have a car show in, in Pelham, and you can go up there and you can see all these different cars that uh, these guys have spent hours polishing the car and making it shine, and they modified it and upgraded it and made those cars uh, to be high performing vehicles. And uh, the thing I can't understand is. Is, is when they take that car that they've done all that work to and then they go hide it in a, in a garage somewhere, right? They put it in a garage because they want to keep it safe. They don't want it to, to get a speck of dirt on it. But that's denying the fact that it's a car that's made to look so pretty and made to, to be a high-performing vehicle. It, it's denied, uh, to only bring it out and all it does is creep along the road at 15 miles an hour is to it it's goes contrary to everything that they've done to make that to where it'll it'll fly down the road get, uh, get up to uh if you got a car that'll go 130 miles an hour in 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 10 seconds from 0 to 130 in 10 seconds that it's it's just a crime to shove that thing into into a garage and not ever take it out and let it and see how do you know it'll do that how do you know? Because Just because it says on the manufacturer specs that it'll do that? Well, you don't know if it'll do that just simply because you got some box that says that this part will help your car do that. You got to get it out there and let it go. And you got to ride that thing and you got to enjoy it. You got to, yeah, amen. That's right. Because it, look, there's no reason to do all that if all you're doing is putting it into a garage. And look, uh, that's denying the fact of what it is. Amen. 
It's the same mentality of being a Christian and not exhibiting the love of God. If we simply hide that away and try and... Look, there are people that are ashamed of their faith. Paul says, look, you don't not to be ashamed of what Christ has done for you. You need to demonstrate that love. Let it pour out from you. Really, what he's saying is... God has changed you, transformed you. You ought to exhibit that transformation. It ought to change you from being uh, what you once were to being who you really are. And so God's telling us that we, in in our life, we need to, more than a call to arms to be the kind of people that can serve God, we need to be, we have a call to be who we really are. We need to, Act like we really are. You know, um, when I was a young man, my parents, they, they taught me to behave. As a result of that, from a very early age, I acted mature because I knew how I should live. And I lived that way. It wasn't that I wasn't immature. It was the fact that I learned from a very early age that I need to sit and behave myself when I'm in uh, church or in public. I need to speak when spoken to. I need to act with responsibility. I need to do what my parents say. All those things were all characteristics of what my parents taught me because they loved me and they wanted to see me succeed in life. I was still a young man, uh, still a, a child, but my parents taught me to be a young man in how they brought me up. So that as I got older, I acted like a man even before I became a man. I acted like I should act. I'm supposed to act. Unfortunately, we've got a lot of men who still act like children Amen. in this world. They sit around all day and play video games. They, they don't take care of their family. They don't take care of their responsibilities. They don't uh, uh, treat their families with love and the respect that they're due. They don't act like that. And all their family wants them to do is to act like the man they're supposed to be. God's calling us to act like the Christians that He's made us. God has poured out the precious blood of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. And to more than just save us, He transforms us with His precious blood. The grace of God has made a transition in your life and changed you from, uh, just like you changed from a little boy to a young man to a man, God has changed you from the ungodly, unwashed, and sinful creature that you were into the clean, pure child of God. And He desires to continue to change and transform us until we get into His presence and we are, and that's called the uh, glorification. And God's uh, righteousness being applied to us until we uh, are glorified when we come face to face with God and when we come into heaven. Why? You don't need to act like you're still ungodly when you have God in your life. You need to act like you're a mature Christian when God is working in your life to change and transform you into the mature Christian you'll be one day. And God is calling us 
to demonstrate the love of God. Now, Paul is not saying that you do works in order to get to heaven. He says, like James, your works should be evident of what is happening in your life. And you ought to act like what has happened in your life. When God came into your heart and life and, and, you, and transformed you, you need to begin to act like the Christian that you are. And not that you need to allow those attributes to come out of you to be a sober of mind, to have holiness as a part of you, not a false accuser, not given to uh, much wine, a teacher of good things, and to love your husbands, to love your wives, to love your children, to be discreet and chaste, to be obedient to one another, to help uh, others in understanding the love of God. This is what God wants from us. Why? Because it is a demonstration of what He has done in your life. Now, you can't do that if you don't have Jesus in your life. So the first thing you need to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to allow Him to come into your heart and life to change you, transform you, not only to take away that sin, but to change you into the creation that He desired you to be from the very beginning. You see, when, we, when God made us and God placed man in the garden, that is what God desired for us to be. But sin changed all of that and caused us to be separated from God. And when God sent Jesus Christ, He was fulfilling what He told Adam and Eve that He would send one day one who would uh, restore us. And that's who Jesus Christ is. And He is restoring us to a right relationship with God. And we need to have that relationship with Him. And so that first step is to accept that beautiful gift of God that is given to us in Christ Jesus. And once we do that, then we can begin to uh, learn about the attributes of God and learn what God is doing in us and allow God to dwell within us and allow God to demonstrate His love through us and allow and to begin to, to show those attributes that Paul mentions here. We need to show the fruits of the Spirit and allow others to see God living in us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I pray that if there's one here today that needs to know You as Lord and Savior, Father, that they'll accept You, and Lord, that they'll allow You to come into their heart and life. If there's someone here today that hasn't been living as they should, hasn't been living according to Your desire and will, Lord, we pray that You'd help them to, to allow You to correct their life, to to turn them onto the right pathway and allow them to begin to live according to your desire and will so that they might demonstrate your love. Lord, help us all to, to show the attributes of God, to show the attributes of your grace and your love that is in within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.